an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and I think we've got Bob Savage with us. It's alive! Hey, glad to have you back. How are you feeling? I feel 100% better. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. I know that your voice is still a little, little on the horse side, uh, but uh, that's just... That's just the lingering effects from what was going on. But anyway, we got a lot of uh, communications from folks saying uh, they were sending prayers my way and thinking about me. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. We were uh, we were certainly missing you on the show. So oh, glad to have you back. Aw, shucks. Uh, so so as the weather continues to do what Rochester weather does, I, I just have a question for everybody listening to the show and for you, Bob. And the question is, is it motorcycle season yet? Because, man, I'm, I'm itching to start riding again. Well, if in doubt, I would say yes. Because, you know, you know what we're going to get? We're going to get the usual mix of days like this when it's kind of sunny and kind of warm for this time of year. And then you're going to have days uh, like uh, Saturday. So what you do is on these days, you go out and ride. And then- yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 pretty tempting. I tell you what, my only concern is, and this is maybe uh, me just, you know, not riding for a number of years yet, but I, I keep getting worried that I'm going to go out on one of these nice days and that there's going to be a patch of ice somewhere or something hanging out on the road. So I don't think uh, so. 50-degree days, I, I would think not, probably. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping not. We'll, we'll see. I actually... Uh, had a broken garage door that I just fixed over the weekend and I was looking and I couldn't get out those other nice days. But now that the garage door works, I'm like, man, I, I might need to get the bike fired up and at least go around the block or something. Right. You know, yeah, just, just exercise a little bit, exercise you. Yep. Yep. Have some fun. Um, so what, one thing I want to remind you guys, you guys probably have heard me say this a, a handful of times now, but I want to make sure you guys know, I want to make sure you guys are a part of the political process. It is petitioning time, which means now is your opportunity to sign a petition to get somebody's name on the ballot uh, for elected office in November. There's a number of Senate seats up for election, a number of assembly seats up for election, uh, some judicial seats. I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, I don't know of any local town seats, but yeah, you never know. There might be some town or city seats going on. I'm not aware of any county seats, at least in Monroe County, in terms of, like, county ledge. Um, although, I think we have county clerk, right? Is that right, Bob? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So so there's an opportunity um, for you to participate in that. I know in terms of the Libertarian Party, uh, there are going to be at least two assembly candidates that I know of, two congressional candidates I know of, and two countywide judicial candidates. Um, so just to give you guys a little sneak, P 
ECAP at. I'm not going to give you guys names just yet, but I know petitions are circulating. So if you guys need any help figuring out where to go to sign a position um, or how that works, feel free to send me a message on my Facebook page. You can just search Andrew C. Hollister. There's a shining picture of me there on Facebook. You can find me there. Um, and that, that's probably the easiest way to get hold of me. Just send a message to the page. I'll try to direct you um, to who to reach out to in your area to find out how to do that. By the way, we also want to toss this in. It's kind of a perennial reminder. Even if you're not coming off the bench to get into the fight, uh, it's very, very important this time out that you register to vote and that you vote. Uh, there's institutionalized voter fraud is is just, you know, it's becoming a it's it's attaining kind of an alarming aspect right now. And I don't want to jump the gun on Andrew here because I don't know if he's going to talk about this. But, you know, the Democrats in Albany are pushing for motor voter with the uh, driver's licenses so that you would automatically be registered to vote with your driver's license, including your green light law license. And then the illegal aliens are not supposed they're supposed to voluntarily, you know, uh, refrain from voting. That's the way that's supposed to work. This is being pushed by Democrats. Did you have that, Andrew? Um, so I knew about um, a, a bill that if you fill out, like, government paperwork, and I think it's as young as 16 years old, and I'll, I'll have to find this and cite this for you guys because I, I think there's two bills. One is a pre-registration bill for anybody 16 or older where if they, they fill out, like, uh, like a driver's permit license application and, and some other like state-level paperwork, yeah, they any would state automatically be enrolled. Any state form. And then yeah. there's, there's, but the, curiously, with the, uh, with the driver's license, there's an opt-out box. But then for some reason, there's a rule that's being promulgated that the illegal aliens can't check the opt-out box. I, I don't, I'm not following huh. that exactly. But it, you can get the story, by the way, at lawenforcementtoday.com. That's the source of the story. Okay, yeah, no, we'll definitely have to check that out because, you know, one of the things that's really important about being an American citizen is your right to vote. And if you're not participating in voting, then you're basically not participating in the discussion. And if things are happening that you don't like or appreciate, it could be any of the stuff we're talking about the show and, and anything that we're not talking about on the show. Somebody is participating for you and they're having a voice. And uh, with the way they're participating and the voice they're having may not align with your belief or values or or maybe it will. Mm -hmm. um, but I just can't stress enough how important it is that you participate in the electoral process, um, because if you think it doesn't affect you or it doesn't apply to you, you're you're just totally wrong, especially in New York vote State. nullification. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me introduce some of the topics we're going to talk about today because we've got a, a fair amount of things to discuss, but they all do center kind of around one topic, and that is the question of whether or not occupational licensing um, makes us safer and also police drug busts. Do those make us safer? And uh, that one I include in because there is something circulating, circulating around social media um, that I, I want to share with you guys, I want to talk about. If you haven't seen it yet, you probably will. 
Um, and that is something that we're going to save for the next segment. So <laughs> without giving away too much, um, but I do want you guys to participate in the conversation. I want you guys to, you know, jump on Facebook, jump on YouTube, search Andrew C. Hollister, click on the live feed and send in your comments. I do see my screens dinging. So there's, there's a couple comments that I'll check in a minute here. Um, or as we're talking, feel free to call in. So the number is 585-346-3000. Once again, that's 585-346-3000. Um, I want to give you guys the opportunity to have a voice in this discussion, especially if you're a small business owner. This is going to be something we're going to talk about, occupational licensing in terms of small businesses, um, because I have a Wall Street Journal job market report for Rochester that we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about what city leaders are saying the job market looks like versus what the data says the job market's going to look like, and then kind of compare those things to things like occupational licensing and if they help or hurt businesses in the area. So, guys, we're going to take our first break of the hour. We are going to be back in a moment. You're listening to Radio Free New York. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right, we are back here on Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We've got Bob Savage here as well. And uh, we're going to kick this off with a news story that uh, is circulating Facebook. It's circulating as a meme. And uh, I, I wanted to do some research. I, I actually thought that maybe I would use this for our fake news segment and if you're just joining the show, maybe you're not familiar with kind of how things are structured. Um, Mondays, we just kind of talk about general topics, maybe news in New York, news nationally, things going on. Um, Tuesday is our talk of the town, where we talk about things that are probably happening in your town. They might impact you. They might impact your village, your county, that sort of thing, kind of like localized issues. Um, Wednesday is White House Wednesday. We hit national topics. Sometimes we bring in presidential candidates for interviews. Thursdays are kind of a free-for-all. We do whatever. And then Fridays are fake news Fridays where we, uh, we talk about, you know, some state or national things. But then at the end of the show, we read news headlines to you and you get a chance to try to figure out if it's fake news or not. Um, so this story I almost wanted to use for fake news Friday, but... It's so old, I kind of felt like it wasn't totally appropriate. Um, so this is a story about Detroit police officers. And Bob, let me know if you heard about this or not, because I did not see this until this weekend. Um, there were police officers in Detroit posing as drug dealers who were then arrested and raided by other police officers posing as people buying drugs. Did you see this? No. Yeah, yeah. So I, I hadn't seen it either. Um, but but I think it kind of it brings up an interesting conversation. So let me give you guys a little bit of background. So real quick before you dig, it's real, though. It was not a fake news story, right? No, it's real. Yeah, no, it's totally real. It would have made a good fake news story. But like I said, this actually happened in 2017. So almost three years ago. And for some reason now it's starting oh, to gain steam online. Wait a minute. I remember this story. Yeah, it's coming back to me now. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. real. It's real. But go ahead. Yeah. So, so I learned a couple of things about this, and, and it's just kind of like interesting in general. Um, so, in Detroit, I guess they have different police precincts. There was the twelfth precinct and the eleventh precinct. The officers, I guess, don't 
overlap very often, so right. they didn't recognize each other. They don't know each other. Um, the 12th district was doing what's, what they call a push-off, which, once again, I had never heard of this, um, which essentially is two officers. They pose as drug dealers. They arrest potential buyers, seize their cars, their assets, everything, you know, people who are coming up looking for drugs. And that, that's like just, a, I guess, a regular operation that they run. They'll, they'll find like a vacant home, kind of camp out in it, and, and do this whole sting operation. Well, the 11th precinct has like a special ops team, and they showed up posing as buyers. Right. They had no idea that this other op was going on. They had no idea that these, you know, officers were undercover selling. Um, so they show up, they order the other officers to the ground. They bring a team in, raid the house, and this whole thing, it, it's like crazy. I watched the body cam footage on this. Yeah, it looked like, it looked it, like a gang war. Yeah, yeah, no, it totally did. Like, it looked, it, people were like punching each other, drawing guns, screaming, shouting, fighting, and they were all cops. There, there, was, <laughs> there was nobody else there. It's what we call Just a cops. failure to communicate, as uh, Clint Eastwood uh, famously said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the the neighbors in the neighborhood, they were all just watching. Like, they had no idea what was going on. Um, One officer ended up in the hospital. And the question was, the the question that's being posed is, like, how do the taxpayers feel about this? And and I agree with you, Bob, 100%. And the thing that they said, too, is, like, yeah, a failure to communicate. Like, there's a breakdown in communication. Um, This is an issue and then should should the police be out there posing as people buying drugs? Should they be out there posing as people who are selling drugs? Is that a good way to combat illegal drugs? And and we've talked on the show multiple times about, you know, should some things be legal or illegal that are like that could be a whole like four shows, you know. So I don't want to go down that whole topic of the drug war, but more so should should agencies be doing this? And this well, isn't just the only place this has happened. I mean, this is happening all over. It's just this is one that came to light because of how botched it went. Well, you know, it, it's it's illustrative. I mean, I think that the the nature of this whole story, which I do remember now, I remember seeing the videos on it, is it does bring up that uh, that argument about is it appropriate to have all this you know, structured entrapment, if you will. It's not really entrapment, but uh, I understand. Look, I, I get loud and clear in Detroit, drugs are a real problem. And uh, the, as far as what do the taxpayers think, I think the poor benighted taxpayers of the city of Detroit are numb by this point. All yeah. the stuff that goes on up there. That, I mean, look, the median price of a single family home in the city of Detroit, last I checked, was about $3,500. So that tells you what life is like in Detroit right there. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and you know, there there were people that were interviewed. They're like, yeah, you know, drugs are a problem in my neighborhood, but I don't think it's this big of a problem. And, and like, the police are making it look like maybe even bigger of a problem, you know. But then they found out, oh, it's it's the police posing as the drug dealers. So is it as big of a problem? Like, who's out on the street? Is it the police selling the drugs? Is it not? Like, now nobody knows. You know, kind of this weird situation where even the police don't know which people are the police and which ones are the actual drug dealers. So what so what what accounts for the resurgence of the story? Why is this surfacing again? 
something new in it or no i i think what it is is people are just becoming a little more aware during election time and i i think it just popped up on the internet somebody saw it they started sharing it and it's kind of like making its way virally through like facebook and other platforms as people haven't heard of the story they're now seeing it and going wow like this is not good like taxpayer dollars paid for this and even people out of state like us in new york we didn't pay for this but we're paying for similar things every day that we don't know about that we're not hearing about um now this also brings up a similar not a similar story another story in texas which you know if you're big on the drug war and you think like yeah we should be on the streets combating drugs um there's a police department in johnson city texas who put out a press release, kind of entertaining. Um, They said, hey, you know, there could be coronavirus in the meth, so if you have meth, you should bring it to our station so we can test it for you. And, (laughs) you know, so, yeah, yeah, whether or not anybody shows up or not, it was on a Facebook page on the police department's, um, you know, Facebook post, and they they said, oh, you know, this uh, this is kind of like, a safer way to like get drugs off the street, you know? So it, entertaining, funny, kind of snarky, a lot of Facebook comments around that. Um, but I think, I think the overall discussion here is, I think there are better, safer ways to get what people would consider dangerous things off the streets. It doesn't have to be drugs. It could, it could be anything. Um, I think drugs specifically, are much more of a medical problem and we can address it that way. Um, but I don't know. I, I saw this, like I said, I thought it was fake news at first. I, I was like, there's no way this could possibly be true. Um, uh, maybe I didn't think there was no way it could possibly be true, but I was very skeptical of it when I read it and thought that it was not true. and was pretty surprised when I found out, no, that was true. And, and it was old. It didn't get as much attention, I guess. Um, before when it happened. So a meme I saw online, there was a, uh, a, a allegedly a social media post from Bloomberg, Mike Bloomberg, saying that Donald Trump cheats at golf. And, oh, and, and, <laughs> yeah. And the real, the real Donald J. Trump response was, Mike Bloomberg cheats at mini golf. Yeah, there, there you go. Now, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know. Do you, do you play golf at all, Bob? I, do, I don't. I, I, yeah, me neither. So I've never actually pay, played any type of golf other than actually, yeah, putt-putt mini golf and glow golf and stuff. Um, I wouldn't even know how you could cheat at golf. Oh, well, you know, there's like a bazillion ways. Watch any golf. Watch Caddyshack. Okay. It's like an encyclopedia. Uh, Ted Knight is uh, really good at, you know, suddenly losing a ball and rediscovering a ball that, might have gone in the rough, but now it's in the fairway. I mean, you know, all, uh, all, all that kind okay, of... Okay, so moving the ball around. That's oh, how yeah, all, all kinds okay. of stuff. Like card trick type stuff? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, very cool. Um, I think I just saw somebody in the comment ask uh, what the phone number is to the station. So let me let me give that to you guys real quick. Um, that number is 585-346-3000. Once again, it's 585 585- three four six three thousand so yeah if you guys want to be a part of the conversation definitely feel free to jump in um tell us what you think about you know taxpayer dollars paying for these type of drug busts tell us how we can cheat at golf um (laughs) you know and uh and anything else that that you think is uh is a good part of this conversation um 
what we are going to talk about next, and, and the reason I tied this together, by the way, is um, drug, what, we have like a serious opioid epidemic here, definitely in New York, but I think across the country is safe to say. And part of this is we, we have drugs that are made illegal, and then we have drugs that are made legal, and there's no... I, I don't want to say anything other... I want to put it this way. Like, there's just one body that gets to decide that. Like, the CDC, the federal government, they, they pick and choose what you're allowed to put into your body. And so I, I feel like these drug busts tie into occupational licensing. And and you guys might just think I'm I'm nuts and crazy. And, Bob, feel free to say that if, if you think so. Um, I'm trying to follow I, this. What do, you, what do you mean? How does it tie into occupational licensing? Because certain drugs are just made illegal, it, but you, you people are rent, using these drugs as a way. They're declared illegal, you mean, by, by regulatory agencies. Correct. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So so they're declared illegal. Um, so there's like government regulation there, but people are also using them as an occupation to make money. They're just making money untaxed illegally in the black market. Oh, okay, so are we referring to legal drugs then that are just being sold in the black market? Are we talking about stuff that's illegal from the get-go? Any any drugs that just, you know, so it could be perfectly legal drugs. They're then being sold on the black market because you're not a pharmacy. You can't distribute them, you know, whatever. Or it could be like in most states, marijuana is illegal, but there's clearly a black market for it. And then there's other drugs, too, that people, for the most part, are like, oh, no, we should never have these drugs like cocaine and meth and stuff that also have their own black market. Um, but they have their own economy. They have their own... Um, you know, distribution and, and all of that as well. So um, we're going to take a break here, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the job market in Rochester, how I think occupational licensing ties into that, um, and we'll discuss that further on Radio Free New York. Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Um, I want to make sure I welcome a few of you guys to the show who are on the live stream here. I see Sean. I see Garrett. I see Drew. Guys, thank you so much for joining and for your comments here. Um, you know, earlier in the show, we were talking about being involved with the um, just the electoral process, getting out to vote, you know, collecting petitions to get people on the ballot, that sort of thing. And uh, Garrett actually said, you know, if people want to, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here because Garrett, I can't see the comment anymore. Um, but basically, if you wanted to support our troops, support our veterans, a great way to do that to honor them is to make sure that you're voting. So I I would echo that absolutely. Amen. You, oh, go ahead. No, I said amen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because uh, it's it's important for you to participate in the process, and it's the stakes are really big. I mean, we don't want to belabor this, but it's uh, it's really vital that we stand for freedom, just like our uh, military personnel do every day, and their civilian associates. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, at, at some point in the show, probably this week, we're going to talk about the war in Afghanistan because there's there's some news centered around that, um, not just the Afghanistan papers, but also possibly a discussion that we may be trying to exit the war with Afghanistan. 
Um, I'm not going to put any time into that today, but kind of just let you guys know that Kevin and I might touch it, whether it's Tuesday or Friday. Um, and people will look at some of these scenarios and say, yeah, maybe they weren't fighting for our freedom in this situation. I get that 100%, but I think the majority of people who sign up um, to be in military service, they're going into it thinking that what they're going to do is defend your liberty and my liberty. Um, and and that is the intent that I think we should be honoring. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's talk about Wall Street Journal report. Bob, I don't know if you got a chance to see this or not, um, but the numbers that the Wall Street Journal put together for Rochester, they don't look so good. Terrible. Yeah, Horrible. yeah not so good. Uh, um, actually, number last, as I recall, uh, among the cities the size of Rochester. Yeah, no, and that that's exactly right. So they, they put us dead last along uh, among America's 53 metro areas of more than 1 million people with a workforce population rate barely over 60% and a job growth rate of just over 0.5%. Uh, that does not sound good. That's pathetic. Yeah, so we're we're talking about um about 40% of the people that they're not a part of the workforce and a a very minimal job growth rate. Um city leaders are they're they're disagreeing. They're saying, "Nope, that's not true." Um Mayor Warren suggests that that's that's just not the case. She says we've got 130 creative class companies in our downtown. We have Eastman Business Park that has been reinvented. Beside the and, point. Beside the yeah, point. Exactly. Um, the one thing that she said, though, that I didn't have a chance to to find the numbers to see if this was actually true. So I'm going to put this out there for for you guys to to hear, but know that I don't know if it's accurate. She says that we have the lowest unemployment rate that we've had in about a decade. Now, I I want to just tell you guys how the unemployment rate is calculated. I don't know if what she's saying is true or not. Um, but when they calculate unemployment, if somebody is on social services, if they're on welfare, any type of unemployment program, they are not considered unemployed, and they aren't calculated into the unemployment number. Isn't that tricky? Yeah. This is what we yeah. call, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we call cooking the books. And, you know, back during the, I don't know if this is still the case or not, but I mean, he had all these various different calculi, calculi uh, on the, with the emphasis on lie, uh, on the un, unemployment levels. And at one point, I know they were counting anybody who's working at least, if, if they're working 24 hours, they're fully employed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure how that's calculated today, but what I do know is, say you've got a population of 100 people. And 50 of them are unemployed, but of those 50, 40 of them are on social services or some sort of unemployment service. They would say that the unemployment rate is only 10%, right. not 50%, um, which to me is grossly, grossly misleading. Uh, so they're saying we've got uh, about a 40% workforce participation rate. I don't know how that looks versus the unemployment rate, but being that the mayor is saying, hey, our unemployment rate is really low, I suspect that number looks much better, and that's why they're using that number. I think the participation rate is a function of the, the people who are eligible to work, people who can actually work, mm -hmm. who are not disabled uh, or 
too old or too young. Uh, it's the it's the employable portion of the uh, of the population, the population okay. base. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Bob Duffy, who you guys might uh, remember, he's he's now the president of the Greater Rochester Chamber of Commerce. Um, he he kind of chimed in too. He said, "We tend to win the data war and lose the public relations battle." Um, and and pointed to a study by M and T Bank that says that we have a much better job growth rate than half a percent. That it's more along one point three percent, which is still not at the national average. It's below it, but closer, I guess. All right. So um, where's where's the evidence? Okay, fine. Yeah, so I, those I are the numbers. See that that study like cited anywhere and, and i i would suggest that he probably knows the numbers and probably could actually produce that um but it's not good i i mean we're still below the national average whether it's half a percent or you know 1.3 percent that that doesn't look good that that looks bad it's, it's um, all, all, this is all you want to talk about the pr war first of all i don't know what duffy's statement means that we're losing the pr war i mean the facts are the facts right you don't if Look, you, you've got uh, two football games or two uh, football teams in a game. One wins, the other one loses. The loser doesn't get to say, "But we had the greatest number of completed passes. We had the greatest yards rushing." That's not the calculus. It's how many yeah. points did you wind up with? No, I I agree, and and that's that's why I think I think we should be looking at things like instead of looking at unemployment numbers um, or even the growth. To be honest, the job growth percentage isn't overly important to me. If we had 100% workforce participation, why would I care if we had a growth? Because everybody's already employed. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like we, the, we had the, the two, growth is just something to point at. We had two people employed last year. Now we've got four people employed. Yay! 100% improvement! Yeah. That, that doesn't impress me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so this is the the piece that I think is pretty important. Um, Maria Richhart from RIT's Director of Creative Services and Cooperative Education says that the trend is really going to small businesses and small companies, um, that they may not hire in the volume of Xerox, Kodak, or Bosch and Lom, which, you know, side note here, look at where those companies are today, guys, um, but that they are hiring our students. And that's why I think really frames the discussion about small businesses and if we look at these numbers, if we look at the employment numbers and the workforce participation rate, um, we can see one common thing. We need more small businesses. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about occupational licensing and what city government and local officials could actually do to bolster these small businesses to help handle our unemployment rate and workforce participation rate. We'll talk about that when we come back on Radio Free New York. Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Um, we're, we're transitioning to the topic of how to make small businesses thrive. And when I say how to make small businesses thrive, I actually mean how do we allow small businesses to thrive? Um, I'm a small business owner. I know Bob's a small business owner. Uh, Bob, what, what do you think? What's one of the ways we can allow small businesses to thrive? 
Michael Bloomberg's a small business owner. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It was just my mind was wandering for a brief moment there. Uh, well, what we do is we get government off your back, number one. I mean, that, that's and that's a comprehensive that's that's a uh, what I would once call a three beer subject. I'm going to call it a three show subject now. I mean, the yeah. taxation, the regulation, the uh, licensure. You, you brought that up earlier in the show, Andrew. These are all they're obstacles. I mean, anything that slows you down, because the the great strategic advantage of small business is our our ability to move much more quickly, to innovate, uh, to you know you're fast on your feet. And government is like it's like trying to run through molasses. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and so I would say, what government officials are going to tell you is going to help small businesses is. Things like grants and programs, and they're wrong. No. They're, they're just flat no, out wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, government doesn't create jobs. You know, small businesses create jobs. Um, and government just constantly gets in the way with barriers to entry, um, things like regulations, red tape, uh, zoning that makes it so you can't run a small business out of your home, Um it, you know, all sorts of things. And one of the biggest things that I see is occupational licensing that has nothing to do with safety. So when I say that, I'm not talking about um, your doctor who's getting a license to practice medicine. Um, what I'm talking about is the hair braider who needs a special license to braid hair. And there's no testing. There's no, like, how do you do this safely? How do you do whatever? Um, it's no pay a fee to the state. Um, talking about things like, you know, somebody walking a dog and they pay a fee to the state. They don't go through a class that is how to handle an aggressive dog or how to do CPR for a dog who has a heart attack during the walk or something. No, it's pay a fee to the state. This keeps people from opening at-home businesses. This keeps small businesses from starting up. And it keeps big businesses growing because the competitive advantage that small businesses have, which is they can be local, they can be direct, they can be your friends, they can be your family, they can give you better service. Um, it makes it really hard to get into that market. And I tell you what, the way New York operates and the way Rochester operates introduces an additional barrier to small businesses which oh. is oh go ahead. no it's 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 like it's 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 mafiosi i'm i'm sorry it really is it's like it's like the the, the two uh, wise guys that show up at your house or at your business rather and they say boy you got a nice little business going here andrew you know you ought to get some insurance on that big plate glass window you got out front here cuz uh you know those are expensive and, you know, we sell that kind of insurance. So we'll stop by every Thursday to get your insurance premium. Make sure your window stays in one piece. Sound like a good deal? See you next week. That's what that's what it amounts to. It really is. It's just yeah. stick, sticking sticking a gun in your ear and saying we want money. Mm -hmm. and, and there's no surprise that because of this type of environment, people leave New York. People leave the Rochester area. So small businesses also have to struggle with finding talent because we can't keep talent here in this area. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm saying a lot of it leaves. Sounds like we've got a caller on the line. Yes, we do, and I forgot his name. I'm sorry, caller. Rick uh, Rick from Rochester. Go ahead, Rick. Yes. Um, I'm calling, um, focusing in on specifically 
security guard licensing. Um, I uh, no longer uh, a licensed security guard. Let it lapse because I'm now currently disabled. But uh, I did go through the process a number of times for years, and uh, I'm I'm not. I never saw benefit. They were talking about they, they, during the classes itself that you took. They PR you about how this allows for higher, you're charging higher fees because you're a licensed professional and things like that. And I'm like, the f- first job I got didn't pay very well. I mean, it was not a good. I didn't see a lot of benefit there. But the <clears throat> prior, I actually did work security, helping out my brother, who was working uh, to provide security at a car dealership because they were having a severe problem with um, after-hours shrinkage. And um, he called me in because the place he was at was so big, he could not actually watch the whole place all the time. So he'd have me in one area scoping things out, and he'd be in another area. And I made a little extra money on the side, helped my brother out, everything was cool. And there wasn't a problem. But the, the, the state came through and decided that in conjunction with a bunch of lobbyists that that needed to be changed because it wasn't good enough what what was what wasn't good enough about a record the fact that you had two brothers Uh, there supposedly the idea was that um as an as somebody who wasn't licensed i didn't i didn't have the proper professional mindset um i wasn't uh part of the procedure they also do is is admittedly good uh, you you have to take CPR training, you know, first aid and stuff like that. But I already had that because I'm a little old fashioned. So I came up through Boy Scouts, and I I knew how to I've known how to do that since I was like 12. Um, so the the new stuff doesn't really. I mean, all it does is updates your fact that you can do it. They they do do, do put you in the AED training, which is not bad. But you can do that at your own. A lot of fire departments set up classes once every few months since you can go in and take to be trained up on AED and get a certification for that. So I don't, you know, like I said, I never saw any indication that there was a help in my standing as a security guard. Well, I I, I don't see that. uh, I think reasonable minds can differ about the necessity of having CPR training if you're there to, you know, you're basically guarding property to make sure that, uh, you know, shrinkage is basically, that's another term for theft. Uh, and how how the ability to you know act as a first responder is appropriate for that kind of for for that kind of employment. I mean, I think if if the employer wants to uh, mandate that as a as a job requirement, that's one thing. But for the state to swoop in and say just you know this blanket, you've got to have this training. Uh, I don't know. But uh, so uh, Andrew, jump in here. What, what, yeah, uh, what's no, my, your reaction? That's 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 my thoughts exactly, right? Like, if if you why is the state saying you have to have these things to be a security guard when the employer could say, hey, we're looking for somebody who can do security. Um, by the way, first aid and AD that's a requirement of the job. You know, like why is New York State trying to tell people what they can and cannot do? It, it's because New York State wants a fee. New York State wants to be a middleman, and that's that's what we see with these occupational licenses. Um, is state government, and this isn't limited to just New York State. This is states all over the country becoming a middleman, saying, "Oh, wait, wait, wait! You're going to have a, a cash transaction. You know who needs to be in the middle of that? Me, government. Help me out here." 
Um, Rick, thank you so much for your call. That's yeah, that yeah. definitely uh, aligns perfectly with what we're talking about. Um, I, I've actually got an example that happened in Florida recently that uh, that I think is worth mentioning. So in Hillsbury County, they have a sting operation called Operation House Hunters. And what the sheriff's department did is they made 118 arrests of handymen. They called them up. They were undercover as potential customers, had them come out to a home, do some repairs, and tried to convince these handymen to do jobs they weren't licensed for. Oh, I love that. That's great. Let's test everybody's morality. Mm -hmm. Because government, as we all know, has the monopoly on morality. Yeah. Yeah. So, So of 118 people that were arrested, 110 of them, this was their first ever offense. So you're talking about people that have never had a criminal record, never had any criminal history. They call them up. They bring them over to do work. Midway through the job, they say, hey, can you uh, can you fix this outlet too? You know, can you do this thing that maybe requires an additional license or a special license? Um, and in addition to this, if the handyman said no, later they would bring it up again while the handyman was there. And just try to ask him to do it in a different way. So th- this is this is really, uh, to me, this definitely feels like entrapment 100%. Um, but it, emphasis- it emphasizes, once again, government is spending money to try to trick people into breaking the law it, just to see if it's going to happen because maybe somebody didn't pay a fee to the government to be allowed to perform this service. And I, I just I can't help but sit here as a taxpayer. And once again, this happened in a different state, but I found it's been happening in New York City and California going back as far as 2010 and as recently as June of last year. So this is things that people's taxpayer dollars are paying for this. I, I think this is terrible. Well, the, and the, the other uh, aspect of this whole thing, too, that we haven't touched on is government the presence of government and the expansion of government begets more government because the more regulations that you impose, the more enforcement there has to be. And then what that does is that encourages the promulgation of still more regulations, which require still more monitoring, more enforcement. And who gets caught in the middle of this? The poor taxpayer gets caught because we have to pay for it. We have to be subjected to it. And inevitably, when things get out of hand, as they obviously have, in this instance, uh, it's in our laps. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's that that, uh, quote that says, uh, when I do something wrong, I pay for it. When government does something wrong, I pay for it. Like, how does that work? All right, guys, thank you for listening to Radio Free New York. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow. 